the good, the bad, and the Boucherian. The good, the bad, and the Boucherian. And folks, you're listening to the good, the bad, and the Boucherian. It, it was it was a uh, the sixth month it was a, an emotionally abusive uh, relationship i um can was isolated from friends family um there were threats of suicide threats of you know you know beating me up beating up my friends um i was made to feel as though my progression in life because at that point you know you know in high school i was progressing i was deputy head girl i was hey. I was the captain of, 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 you know, football. I was, you know, the captain of our house. I was, once I was doing well in high school. I don't know where. Hey, anyway, I was The monopoly well. ambition means you at this age. <laughs> we know, at least we know it stemmed from somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so mm-hmm. I was doing all of these things and, you know, it's made to feel as though I'm not good enough. Um, he should, he deserved it more than I do. And, you know, I took those things from him, even though yeah, you can't take those things from someone um and so what it did is is it it got me into a very sad cycle so at at first um you know i was just really really sad i realized i was very disassociated from from what was happening in my life i i I now became more inward Um, i'm a very extroverted person but i just became very introverted and at that point i i knew i was just sad and i knew and for me what it felt like i was carrying the burden of someone else's um you know life situation and so i didn't really think it was something to do with me i thought i just needed to cut the stem or the root of what was happening and then i'll be fine so I remember when my mom realized that things were really bad and my sister came to see me and I remember because they surprised me and so when I walked into the house and I saw them I fell down like I literally fell to the ground and just broke down um, and I remember the day they were leaving now that is when the depression just it said hi mama we are activated now we are no. activated <laughs> yeah activated ilikuwa free trial the premium plan premium <laughs> because you see the thing about having something and then it especially a support system it makes you realize oh my gosh this is what I'm mis- missing then it leaves and the void is even bigger Guys, depression really changes your reality. I, and please, if you have a depressed friend, partner, um, family member, please understand it changes your reality. What they see is not what is, you know. And 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 sometimes they're, they're not, it's not your fault. There's nothing wrong that you're doing. Their reality is just very different. And so I remember it'd be things like, because, um, yes, something in my in my that when my boyfriend was he wanted us to text all the time every time all the time so even when we're in school if he's in psychology and i'm in music we're texting you know when we're together we're talking when we go home we're texting on the way back we're texting you know the moment he wakes up we're texting the moment we're going to we're texting texting all the time text, 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 text. <laughs> so you know i i i inherently had this thing of you know if someone is committed to you you are talking all the time but what happens when you have depression now how that how that plays out is now if this person is not conversing with me all the time if they are away for a few hours so i'll I'll give a very vulnerable and very honest example my partner could literally have gone shopping in kafu you know maybe you know Uh we were texting during the morning and then he goes for shopping so he's unavailable for a few it could be minutes i'm there where are you what are you doing why are you not picking up the phone what's happening Okay, you don't love me anymore. You don't want to talk to me. 
literally switches like that and it's that ser- like you ask not seriously you know the joking joking no, one no i'm asking very seriously and i start crying and mm. then i start saying is there something wrong with our relationship you know why didn't you text me back you know why why aren't we talking like we used to and mind you guys he just went to the shop be <laughs> here i'm wasting my life i don't even need i don't even deserve to be here so i did have a suicide attempt in mm. yeah i one day bought hella pills and oh my gosh if any of my family members hear this they're going to collapse but yeah i decided i'm gonna be honest about my life so here it goes yeah so i took hella pills it's your boy billy and we're back at it with another episode hope you guys are keeping well and safe and things are going well on your side as they are on mine though as you can hear my voice has gone i just wanted to first say thank you so much for everyone who was able to come for the event last week on the 7th i really appreciate your support you guys continually support this podcast and i cannot say it enough how i don't take it for granted and i appreciate each one of you for supporting by coming by engaging with us on social media, by sending in your well wishes. We appreciate it all. And for the ones who are unable to make it, we hope to see you guys in the next one because this one was very good. From the panelists, to the food, to the dancing. So, asante nisana. But again, back to business. Our guest today is Dana Osiemo. As you guys have probably heard, episode 94, she featured there. And today we'll be talking about something very different. And so, Dana, how are you? I'm ready. I'm doing okay. I think I think I'm better than I was last week. Uh huh. What's changed? I have deci- decided to surrender to the flow of life. You know, I have decided to just what that means is uh-huh. I've let I've let things go. It's okay. It's okay. If it's not working out for me now, it's okay. Like, hey, well, you teach know? me. How do you let it go? Teach me. Teach me. Well. Um, I think this is one of those things where life teaches you. You know that thing I see funzo na mama Yes, yes. That is that is it. I think this is one of those things where uh my shy many many like I've just give I've just told life, okay, sour, I've had you, sour, cool, cool, cool. I'll let go. I'll let so what go. are you letting go of? I'm letting go of the need to be somewhere at a, a this certain point in my life. Mm-hmm. Um I'm letting go of 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 I think I'm letting go of a lot of ideas I had in my mind of maybe where I should be, who I am, um, you know, the things that should be happening in my life, you know, the opportunities I should have gotten, um, where my business should have progressed, the things I should be doing. Like I'm just letting go of expectations. I think maybe that's what I call it. I'm letting go of expectations and and letting what comes to me come, and what mm-hmm. leaves go. So it can come, that's great, but I don't have expectations of its progression. Like, I'm hoping for the best, obviously, but, like, you know, I'm not really attaching myself to it. So now that brings us to the question I asked you last time, which mm. you were to start off the podcast with. Yeah. When, which was when to let go and when to know how to persevere. Because a lot of guys will tell you persevere. You be one of the guy who be, need the light bulb 99 times. <laughs> And go to the hundredth time, <laughs> you'll be told, you know. So now tell me, now give us more in depth of how, when, how, when 
to actually let go because I'm aquely yeah things are not working out at this point and I don't yeah. need they don't need to be working out I think that's fine yeah but then is that giving up too early should I persevere a bit more maybe I, I was one stone away from the diamond so tell me about that yeah you know I keep seeing those things of like you know you know that photo that's always passed around the guy who's digging in the mines you know and then the one mm. guy who walks away and then the guy who keeps digging and finds it <laughs> you <Yeah>. know <laughs> and the thing is that it's a true story it's true there are areas in our lives which we need to keep digging we just need to recognize the ones that are and the ones that aren't so i think it's about discernment knowing when to let go and when to hold on is 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 practicing a spirit of discernment so i'd say even before even before you decide that I'm giving up on this thing or I'm continuing pursuing this thing, you need to ask for a spirit of discernment from whoever it is that you believe in. Ask for a spirit of discernment. Then at the point at which you're able to discern is when you'll be able to determine when to let go. But if I make this more practical, I think for me what I've seen in my life is the things... So I've, I asked God a long time ago, if something is not for me, you will disturb my spirit. Yeah, he will disturb my spirit about it. And he has done it every single time. And so what happens is there is a lot of, you know, there is the pain of something not working out. And there is the pain of, of your spirit being, of there being friction. Yani, friction with, yani, yani, things are not, it's, it almost feels supernatural in the way things are not working out. Yeah. You know, um, and and do you know, me? Let me be very honest with you. And I mean, whoever who is listening to this, I'm sorry if this is not the perception you had. But me, I believe in quitting. I'm sorry. I believe in mm. quitting. Mm. I, I believe that not everything needs to be held on to. I believe that holding on to certain things for a long time can do more harm than good. But I, it goes back to that discernment. So, for example, <laughs> um, let me take the example of. Um, but you know our lives are so complex but let me take the example maybe everyone always talk about let's say you are in a you know in a partnership in a relationship with someone who um has consistently cheated on you Mm -hmm. um let me give this story if anyone who follows oloni so she's on twitter she eh, yeah it was she did one of these ladies um um let me ask you a question and Mm -hmm. when when did you like what's something foolish you've done in love or in a situation or whatever. So this chick was saying how she had, there's this guy she was sleeping with and he gave her chlamydia the first time. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then, and then she, and then he, you know, she came to him and she's like, yo, I, I didn't know we were sleeping with other people. And even if you are, why didn't you use protection? And why didn't you tell me you had chlamydia? Then he's like, I'm so, so sorry. You know, um, I'm going to get tested. And so they, you know, it took time before they were sleeping together again. And then they slept together again. And then she got chlamydia again. <laughs> and she was only sleeping with this one guy. <laughs> yeah. So she got chlamydia again. And so she goes back to him and she's like, dude, I thought like, you know, I thought you got tested. I thought you are clean. What, like, who is this? Where are you getting this claim? Like, and you're the only guy I'm sleeping with. So, like, there's nowhere else that I've gotten it. He said he saw this. He said he saw this. And then a few weeks later, they were sleeping with each other again. And guess what she got again? Uh-huh. Chlamydia. Chlamydia. Uh-huh. And this time around, she said, I'm not even going to call this guy. I'm going to let it. I'm just going to let it go and just leave this guy. Like, it's not, it's, is it, is the D really worth it like that? No. I'm going to let it go. Uh-huh. 
So what this for me is, you know, when you are being foolish in holding on, just know it is time to let go. <laughs> because sometimes the holding on is foolishness. Yeah. See, it's some and and I think and I mean to always go back to that discernment because there is no way you can get chlamydia thrice from the same person. <laughs> And then you want to say, but I'm holding on because it's so good. My friend, it doesn't matter how good it is. It doesn't matter if it's, it doesn't let it go, you know? So this might sound like an extreme like case, but take the practice, the, you know, kind of the, the, principle. Lesson, the principle of it. There are certain things that have, that to be honest, like if I tell you something and you're like, hey, Dana, you are, it makes sense. Like, why do you keep going back? Or why do you keep doing this? You know, sometimes um, speaking to other people, you know, and, and, and just the conversation will let you know, eh, anyway, yeah, they, I shouldn't be in this space. So this is not working out. Um, but when to persevere is that, I think for me, that's the more, more, more difficult question. It's easier for me to talk about when to let go. Cause me, <laughs> I think, <laughs> right. Me, someone told me I could let go of university first year, first sem. Ah, bus. <laughs> I'm letting you go. I'm letting you go. You know, um, but I think when to persevere, I think, I think, I think when you can see where, like you can see the, when you look at the end from the beginning. So if let's say um, I am, you know, doing a particular course in, let's say something like public policy, for example, um, and and it's really and it's really taking me it's really really taking me for idiot you know i'm really feeling like what this thing it's really tough but i know the end of this goal this thing will take me to the end to my end goal you know my end goal uh-huh. to be you know to be you know the ambassador to france or like the un rapporteur or whatever those you know terminologies are um and so i'm persevering not because i'm persevering despite the pain because of where it will lead me you know um and i think and i think for me the best example of that is usually love you know and not mm-hmm. any kind of love healthy love let me clarify the best example for me for that is healthy love <laughs> Mr. Man, let me clarify <laughs> let me clarify because you know everyone thinks love and then like oh my gosh but what in toxic relationships and i'm like no 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 very specifically in healthy love where both parties are healthily loving each other very big difference from toxic and the reality of of you know healthy love is that they are very difficult points you know there are points where it's it's extreme like where you're asking yourself is there a point of still being here but when you have the end goal in mind um it's easier for you to persevere through something as opposed to if you can't really connect why what you're doing what mm-hmm. you have what you're doing will lead to where you want to go you know, if there's no intention behind it, because you know the reality, Billy, is a lot of us are just doing things for the sake of doing things, not yeah. because there's an intention behind it. You know, so someone can decide, mm, let me just start this course, you know, because, but the intention is not really is not purposeful. You know, it doesn't uh-huh. lead to something. It's just being done for the sake of being done. And so I think for me, that's where I'd say, you know, also knowing when to let go and when to persevere. Because like, you know, when was it? Was it last? No, two weeks ago. I was like, oh, let me register for Google Project Management. I registered. Oh my gosh, this is so cool. I'm going to be a Google Project Manager. Then last week, end of last week, I asked myself, where am I doing this? But like, where is it actually <laughs> leading me? Uh. So I quit the course. <laughs> and like many people will find that very like oh my, why didn't you just finish but because there's no intention behind it there's no purpose to it yeah you know 
Um, mm-hmm. So that's my very long-winded explanation. And I like how you even talked about even uh, quitting. And uh, I, was, I had my monologue episode some time back. And I was just saying, guys, I've got the name of the book. I wish I was very good with the names of books like you. <laughs> but the author was just talking about the nobility in quitting. Because oh, yeah. you're living in a system that then teach you how to quit. And you told quitters yeah. are failures and quitting is a bad thing. But you said it's the right time to quit. And you should know yeah. when to quit. Yeah. And when you're just holding on to something that will not amount to anything. And so, yeah. like, you knowing when to quit, as you said, and having that spirit of discernment is a very good quality, actually. Yeah. Vis-a-vis someone who will uh, want to have this hopeless uh, conundrum of fighting for something that yeah. might never really amount to anything. And now yeah. that you even quit your Google course, yeah. I want you to talk to me about another question I asked in the last episode that you are to now tell us a lot in this episode yeah. about mental health. Where? Yes. Did an LLB. Yeah. If that wasn't enough, if an LLB is not enough, <laughs> if an LLB is not enough, you said, you know what? Let me do an LLM. If an LLM is not enough, let me do it in the UK, away from my support system, friends, home. <laughs> If this is not enough, you mentioned that for six years you weren't able to regulate, you know, your emotions and all yeah. this. So tell me about that, because for me, as I told you in last episode, that is so crazy to me. Because then it'll be on its own. <laughs> it's so, it's tough. So tell me about that. Take me six so... years back. <laughs> <laughs> so if I take you six years back, um, I was just actually. It'd probably be a bit more than six years, but six years back, I was in my final semester. No, my I was in year twelve, um, equivalent of form five uh, back in the day before CBC. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was in form five, and I was the the genesis of my. Okay, let me start by saying I don't know whether this is scientifically backed, but uh, but something I've I I think I've come across a fun fact about depression is, um. Some people are predisposed um, gene-wise. So I don't know how, how medically back this is. So I always encourage people, never listen to something and then just go with it. Go read if, it's, if I'm actually saying facts. But I remember reading that some people are predisposed, you know, some people may be more predisposed to certain mental disorders, so just like schizophrenia or dementia or whatever. So same with depression. Um, so now looking back, I do realize that when I look at certain um, family history that I, I I am predisposed to depression. Um, but yeah, so, you know, a bit more than six years ago, um, I was in high school. I was in my, you know, second last year of high school before joining uni. And I was dating this guy. Guys, relationships can kill you. Let me just tell you. <laughs> <laughs> kindly just use your high school years to just put your head in your books you know you can kiki you know you can laugh with them but guys, uh-huh. yeah you can kiki so as in a relationship i'm hoping you know the chlamydia story no just give us a piece <laughs> no. please nah, no, 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 no. you're telling please, us oh oloni oh, oh, <laughs> i'm just asking for a friend <laughs> So, so, the disclaimer, say, say. No, no, no. I'm not about to be removed from the touch board. So, <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh-huh. I was I was dating this guy in high school for about you know um a year, 
Um, but six months into it, uh, now looking back, you know, he was also, I, I mean, I don't know if he's ever gotten help, but he was also um, not meant You're to not be okay. For that. Mm-hmm. Hmm? You're not right for that. No, <laughs> no because... Let's hope he's gotten help. <laughs> no, anyway, you know, we said this is an honest podcast, guys. Take me as I am. So... Um, it it was it was a uh, the sixth month. It was a, an emotionally abusive uh, relationship. I um, can was isolated from friends, family. Um, there were threats of suicide, threats of you know you know beating me up, beating up my friends. Um, I was made to feel as though my progression in life, because at that point you know you know in high school I was progressing. I was deputy head girl. I was. Hey. I was the captain of, 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 you know, football. I was, you know, the captain of our house. I was, once I was doing well in high school. I don't know where. Hey, anyway, I was doing... monopoly ambition means you at this age. <laughs> we know, at least we know it stemmed from somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so mm-hmm. I was doing all of these things and, you know, it's made to feel as though I'm not good enough. Um, He should, he deserved it more than I do. And, you know, I took those things from him, even though yeah, you can't take those things from someone um and so what it did is is it it got me into a very sad cycle so at at first um you know i was just really really sad i realized i was very disassociated from from what was happening in my life i i i now became more inward Um, i'm a very extroverted person but i just became very introverted and at that point i i knew i was just sad and i knew and for me what it felt like i was cutting the burden of someone else's um you know life situation and so i didn't really think it was something to do with me i thought i just needed to cut the stem or the root of what was happening and then i'll be fine um and so the very first diagnosis diagnosis of depression i got was in high school in my final year um but i never but i i i kind of brushed it off um so I got the diagnosis that the day, literally the day that I was leaving for um, a program in the States and the lady who gave me the diagnosis was like, okay, so when you come back, you know, we need to come see you and just do further assessments. But this um, looks like a case of depression. Um, at that point, it was mild depression. Um, mm-hmm. But I went to the States, did my program, came back. A month and at this time you're still with this guy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Came back, did my program, never went and saw the lady. Um, then eventually the next year, now this was 2016, I broke up with the guy. Um, but there's some wounds that never leave. There's some scars. The reality is, is once once you you kind of nick at something, it just keeps digging deeper and deeper and deeper. And so what happened is when I... And, and so for that month, I, I, I felt fine. Because, you know, when you're freed from something, you... You you know you feel like you have a new lease of life. You know I felt I was coming back to myself. You know I now started you know hanging out with my friends again. Started interacting with family again. I started you know building relationships again and actually excelling at the things I I was good at. Um. Then comes and what was your, and first what was your last draw like that actually made oh, you feel? my birthday. So my birthday was on the uh, on the twenty seventh. I was I was having a dinner of friends and family, so I invited him. And so what I'm really doing, I'm really brushing over this story because there's a lot of things I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember how it made me feel, hey, who is there? Ding dong. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, so 
um it was my birthday we're having a dinner and then usually what would happen is like if he if i do something small like something like i don't sit next to him or whatever gives me the cold shoulder becomes very rude says very rude things so i was sitting next to him um during the dinner and then um he just becomes moody so i'm like hey is everything okay um and then he he doesn't respond so i'm like do you need me to get you like a panadol or, you know something is, is everything okay mind you this is my birthday this is supposed to be the most selfish day of my life i'm here just catering catering to someone need to sit down but anyway <laughs> yeah so so um he's like so i'm like eh, everything doesn't look fine and then I don't remember what exact the words he said to me, but it was something very rude. It was something like, um, um, get off my back. You just keep on trying to, um, you you keep the, let, let me paraphrase. Like you keep putting yourself yourself in things that you shouldn't be putting yourself in. Leave me alone. I don't need you. And so I was like, guy, okay. And mind you, <laughs> this, is on, this is on a table with all of my friends, so it became very awkward. Ah, so I said, you know what? I'm not having this today. Me, I now ignored him completely. So me, I was chilling with my friends, chilling with my family. We were having fun. Then after we ate dinner, there was a field somewhere there. So we were running around with my friends and just literally just doing things 18-year-olds do, like just randomly. Then he was standing at a corner. Then he comes to me. Then he's like, um, you know, I don't feel like you've been there for me today. I don't feel like you've supported me um you you're just you're just enjoying yourself you can't be even there for me so i say boss it's my birthday i asked you whether you want a panadol you said no and you stonewalled me and you are rude what do you mean i haven't been there for you and anyway your ride is here bye hey hey, hey women so listeners then... just know one thing about <laughs> women when they've clocked out Ah, uh, that's true. But then when we've clocked out, we've clocked out. But at that time now, I said, you know what? Me, it's okay. Uh, I said, bye. Then the next day, he calls and he's like, why don't we just try one last time? So I said, okay, one last time. That one last time lasted that day. At the end of the day, I told him, mm, boss, man, I, can't, I can't force it. I can't force it. And I just told him, yeah, no, I'm, I'm done with this relationship. A few days later, I get a call saying he tried to commit suicide. So I'm like, ah, you know, now I'm feeling like maybe I should go back and be with him. Maybe uh. you know, it's my fault. You know, look at him. He tried to commit suicide. Guess what? It was all a lie to get me to call him. No way. Say psych now. Dana, say no. psych now. This and is the time. That, no. The, you know, and you know the trauma you go through thinking that you've made someone literally yeah. go to the point of committing suicide you feel the guilt you feel like this is all my fault i should have never done this so me i'm there freaking out i'm calling his best friend i call him i'm like are you okay he's like yeah i'm okay you know it's just it's all your fault because you left me and i just want to <laughs> die I was like, uh, oh my god so for a second there i did consider until i found out that it was actually a lie um and i cut off all communication from there i said z how did so, you find out <laughs> his best friend yeah no let me tell you i i just said and so when i confronted him about it is when he was like yeah it wasn't actually true i was like okay i can't do this and i just let it go so now fast forward to september when i go to uni um my mom was supposed to come with me um but the she didn't get her visa on time i got my visa before she got it so i ended up going to uni um alone the first mm-hmm. time 
mind you i've never been to boarding i have never i have never you see there's a difference between going for a trip and knowing you're coming back in like two days a week a month and a difference knowing that you're like you're going somewhere like now that is your life i was so sad if you see the video my sister took of my eyes were red i looked like a drunk oh yani my eyes were red they were red i had cried all of my tears i cried uh. until we landed in heathrow I, yani, I, I was crying. And eight hour flight, the lady is asking me, Do you want anything to drink, ma'am? And I'm okay. Thank you. And she's just like, Girl, What's wrong with these African girls? Eh. So, this is this now the genesis is the most important part because it's because what then exacerbated everything is I, I ended up suffering from really deep winter, winter depression, which then exacerbated everything. Then, two, I I realized that the course I was studying studying law um was not what I wanted to do and I felt I'd made a big decision but I could not now that thing of not quitting I couldn't quit um because I felt you know how can I quit how can my how can I be sent to the UK and then the church people here that done a quit law z what kind of quit law nah so I said, I'm going to push through. But you know, there's only so far you can push through. And then I was really homesick. That thing about a support system is so important. The thing about the city I was in, because I was in London, is it's a very individual city. I do not think people understand. I always tell people, the first time you go to the UK for uni, please go to a city outside of London. You can go to London for your master's. Perfectly fine. But your first, your first years, go to a city where there's actual community. You know, because I really struggled with not having a support system. And the reality is your relationships at home change. People's lives move on. I, I really struggled with the fact that, you know, little things like maybe it was my sister's birthday and I was not there. I remember my aunt got married and the day she was getting married, I had an exam so I couldn't come to Kenya. Absolutely broke me. And you see, it's all these little, little things that keep adding up. You know, mm-hmm. keep digging you deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper until when I reached second year, um, second year, second sem. That I think that's when I hit one of my lowest moments. Um, and I think at that point I had really, I had really tried to, you know, to pick myself up. I'd really tried. I said, you know, it's okay, Dana, just keep at this law course, just keep at it. But Yanni, there's only so much the mind can take, especially when you've not been dealing with the root issues, you know, especially when you have not been getting help. And at that point, like how you just say, I'm sad, you know, just say I'm homesick or I'm sad, but it kept getting worse and worse and worse. So, you know, when winter comes around, I get sadder. Um, so in second year, second sem, um, I think, I think, so by this time I was living with a friend of mine, absolutely love her. Um, she, I think, you know, she, Yanni, she was, she was everything that I thought I was, you know, she was extroverted, outgoing, you know, always going out with friends, always doing all those things, you know, and we had the same friendship group, but I could not bring myself out of bed. I would skip class. I would, and especially during winter, I would skip class. I would be in bed with the curtains drawn. I stopped eating. I remember there's a holiday. I came back home and everyone I met, oh my gosh, Dana, you've lost so much weight. Oh my gosh, you've lost so much weight. Is everything okay? And I was just like, I don't know how to tell you, like, but I didn't even realize I've lost any weight. Like, I just, I was not eating. I do not remember actually feeding myself i could barely cook i could barely actually do anything for myself um so i remember when my mom realized that things were really bad and my sister came to see me and i remember because they surprised me and so when i walked into the house and i saw them i fell down like i literally fell to the ground and just broke down 
I literally that I think that video is somewhere. I literally, you know, because my now uh, flatmate let them in, and then I was in class. I'd missed class for so many weeks. I needed to, you know, attend. Otherwise, I'd be in immigration. So, no, let me tell you, do you know? Because I now at that point I was going to class I'd, in my pajamas. Like it was, it was so bad. Like I'd go to class. In my, I've not showered. I've not brushed my teeth. I've gone to class in my pad. Guys, that was so disgusting. I don't. I would not do it again. But like, I could not bring myself to do those things. Like for me to be able to take a shower, like I would con- spend half of the day convincing myself. So I come back home and then I open the door and then you know I, I just I, I walk to the kitchen and I see both of them and I fall. I literally fall to the ground. I cannot believe my support system is here. So they spent a week with me. Um, and I remember the day they were leaving. Now that is when the depression just, it said, hi, mama, we are activated now. We are no. activated. <laughs> we are activated. You are going to The premium plan. Premium. Uh. <laughs> because you see the thing about having something and then it, especially a support system, it makes you realize, oh my gosh, this is what I'm mis- missing. Then it leaves and the void is even bigger. Yeah. Then, than before and i stayed in that not the week they left was i was having it was my half term i stayed in bed the entire week entire week and my curtains were never opened it's my flatmate who actually had to come in and tell me dana just try get out of bed let me she would come and open my curtains and i like i did not even have the energy to speak i didn't have the energy my mom was like why don't you go see a counselor I didn't have the energy to leave my room, let alone. I think the only thing I was doing was peeing and entering into bed. And even that one was a struggle. I used to ask myself, is it a must I pee? Do you know I got a mattress protector for the very, like, I got a mattress protector because I was very afraid they'd reach a point where I'd just say, see must. See must. See <laughs> must. You know, and I was like, I don't want them to take my deposit because of the mattress. So I'm just going to get a mattress protector so that if at any point in it's reached that point. Um, and so it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And I think, um, you know, so I, I, and I, I realized now I was doing things to make people happy, you know. So I did an LMM immediately after, even though I knew, I knew I did not have the strength. I did not have the, the one thing that the depression takes from me is energy. It takes a lot of your capacity to, to do life. And, and, you know, you usually think it's the big things of life, but it's those little things, going to the toilet, you know, washing yourself, eating speaking to people i i i struggled to speak to people i would need to you know it, and then and then my head became like like a like it felt like there were bees in my head talking all the time it just felt like a busy place like a busy bee you know just like this mm-hmm. is too much happening um so i applied for an llm you know because you know that's what you do as a good girl you apply for an llm you know such you know my main goal for applying was so that i don't go back to the uk i could not i because i told myself if i don't do an llm straight after i will never do a master's because i did not have the capacity for education yeah so I went to do an LLM and I started getting better. I met, I, I found community commu- and I, that's why I believe so deeply in community because there's a way community healed me. Um, I found two lovely, lovely, lovely friends who gave me a purpose, a purpose I believed in, who, you know, brought me out of my shell, who gave me an opportunity to see um, that I was still worth something, you know, because I, cause I think I suffered with a lot of, and I still suffer with it, a lot of 
I'm struggling to forgive myself for the years I wasted. You know, I felt like I wasted so many years being sad and being depressed. Um, but yeah, I did my LLM was when COVID started, I was there. So I was isolated for five months. Now that sunk my depression. I was too sad. Um, so I, I'd, I'd applied to do their version of KSL there. So I'd applied to do the bar there. I canceled my offer and I said, I can't, I can't do it. I can't stay another, cause it would have been staying another three to four years in the UK. I said, I can't do it. And I came back home. Hey guys, home. Hey. <laughs> in fact you tell me more about that because you, you even said home with that sigh of relief for some of us we never related we never understood what it actually means because all of us yeah. from the me from everywhere else when we look at going abroad it's so glamorized like literally oh, you guys we, we are seeing you guys eating out we're seeing you guys you guys work, but we, we we see you guys are compensated well, so you're enjoying the money. Yeah. You know, we're seeing you guys flying in business class because by the time your parents <laughs> are wanting to take you there, you know. So just like, wow. Then we're heading down and say, you know, this weekend we're in London, next weekend we're going to Manchester. So just mm. like, wow, this life is good. So tell me about that and also about community. Because I've been yeah. telling someone else that for some of us, we've lived in, like for me, I've lived in yeah. my whole life. So I never understood, uh, like, when you talk about community, for me, I never understand that because yeah. I've never been out of community. So for mm. me, I, I, the reality of not having community has never happened to me. I can try to imagine it, but I never understand the depth of how important community is. Because some people will tell you, I ah, just go there, do your degree, finish and just come back. Like, all these things don't matter. But mm. you've, made, you've talked about it and, like, talked about how your support system really matters. So please yeah. elucidate more on that hey, elucidate works okay um so on the first one in terms of the perception of studying abroad let me tell you even me me even me i was seeing those things i said who are these people going to manchester what are these people you know hopping from city to city in the uk i didn't do that you know that's one of the things i i also suffered with that thing of of converting other people's lives because mm-hmm. here i was in bed here i was unable to do any i was unable to even you know my friends were like oh we're having a birthday party can you come i'd be like hey guys no sorry i can't make it you know and and then here i am on instagram seeing all my friends you know there's a big chunk of the guys who i was in high school with went to the uk or the us so i'm seeing them Having the time of their lives, you you know, you do not understand how social media will sink you to the pits because people never show you the bad parts of what's happening. Yeah. You know, people never show you the times that, you know, they fail the exam or the times that they're actually depressed, the times that, you know, life is just boring, like the times you're just seated in the house. But what I used to see is, you know, guys have gone out Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then Monday they're there chopping. And then, you know, they've, they've decided to travel for, you know, Sidria, Sidria what concert in Manchester on Thursday, then they're back in class on Friday. And I could not imagine people were doing this much in their lives. You know, and what made me feel even worse was then I started feeling unworthy. I started mm-hmm. feeling like I'm not doing enough. I started feeling like, you know, I don't deserve to be here. I'm wasting my life. I don't even need, I don't even deserve to be here. So I did have a suicide attempt. In mm. Yeah, I one day bought hella pills. And oh my gosh, if any of my family members hear this, they're going to collapse. But yeah, I decided I'm going to be honest about my life. So here it goes. Yeah, so I took hella pills. Um, I think, I think what made me not go out, 
I had with it is I was so afraid. I was actually really afraid of, of the thing that saved me then was I was afraid of how my family would react, you know, because I was like, wow, you know, guy, imagine, imagine if they hear, you know, imagine if they, so it was perception that stopped me. But what really got me there was feeling like I was, I, I, I don't deserve to be here. I keep seeing these people doing this and that and, and people's lives look so perfect. Yani, my friends were living the time of their lives. Mm-hmm. Now, when I now hear the stories of that, because I was not privy to some information in that time, but now, Billy never covet what you don't have. Never. Because uh-huh. you don't know what it's taking for someone mm-hmm. to keep that lifestyle. And I remember being told um, a story about, you know, someone who, because you know, I used to say, Kwani, how much money are parents giving guys? Yeah, that was the question. Yeah. <laughs> in this economy you, how many pounds are people dishing out you know because me i was there at, at that point i was being you know in in the uk the you know what they tell you for you to be able well not even in the uk in london for you to be able to survive um you need to have a minimum of 1500 per month i couldn't i couldn't i couldn't get my parents to pay that amount of money so i told them just six just give me 600 pounds and I will, I will survive with 600 pounds. But guys were getting 1,000, 1,500 pounds, some even 2,000 pounds um, <laughs> per month. But I couldn't ask my parents for 150K per month. That's absurd. You know, so I said, I hold you know, it. Every month. You know, so, so I, my monthly allowance was, was 600 pounds, sometimes 500, depending. You know, um, so I could, so the reality about London is that 600 pounds was enough for my basic needs. Basic needs you see so then i'm like i don't like look at these guys doing all of these things you know they get to go to these bougie places and so to say that my parents didn't support me oh they did yani they, they really did if there's something that i needed if i wanted if i said guys i want to travel to this and this they would genuinely provide for me but i think me i could not ask them for that much of that much money i just i just couldn't but yeah going back to that thing of Never covet what you don't have. And that's the thing I tell everyone who's like, oh, you know, it looks like when you guys are in the UK, it looks like when guys who study abroad or might want to go abroad. And I ask, firstly, why do you want to go abroad? Is it because of the perception of you, that you have of abroad or because there's actually something that you want to do there? Mm-hmm. You know, because if you're going there for the perception, you're going to suffer. I don't know the story. So, you know, I was always wondering, how could she afford this kind of lifestyle? Eh, hey, people have been spoiled out here. Who have been spoiled? <laughs> That's just about... me. I didn't know people have been spoiled in the UK. Miss Kupata memo. Me, I didn't know I've been spoiled. Kumbe to li to high school at the same time. People got spoiled. People have been sponsored. But what you have to give up? Eh? You see the thing about the UK, the kind of the, the things you have to give up, the things, the the abuse sometimes you, some some of these people faced. Mm-hmm. No, um, you know whether you know it's having to abort multiple babies or eh? mm-hmm. having to you know some people pimp you out, um, and these are these are people you know these are people you know yeah these are, these are people not that you can say at I had a story somewhere these are people you know so that's what I, I of course it's such an extreme story but what I'm saying is never covet a life you don't have you really don't know what it's taking to keep it so you are saying hey, I'm seeing these babes able to go for the video concert then whiskey then they're able to travel to see Spain and then they're, they're baby girl maybe someone is really giving their whole self for that 
<laughs> literally literally and but there's nothing wrong but if you you know this is the thing I, that i say if someone says that me this is what i do to earn a living good for you you do it you know but the thing is for those who don't know that's what it's doing to keep it then you're coveting it you who know who, who told you you will be able to do that mm. to keep it what you when you're told if we sit down can't be with 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 you know, someone in the who's studying abroad, and you ask them, you know, how you find find this lifestyle, and then they tell you the, that story. You now, will you want it? <laughs> and if you want it, by then it's okay, it's okay. Yeah. But you will, you, because not everyone's story is that they have rich parents. Yeah, that's not everyone's story. Some people are genuinely working their ass off to pay their school fees and to earn a living there and to pay their rent. Rent is not cheap, guy, and to Pay for mm. food is not cheap guys it's not cheap so that's that's my message for people never covet what you don't have mm. never you just say that is good for you blessed are you and then mind your business and someone is telling me for them they're resenting even their parents because yeah. sometimes you feel like it's your parents fault why weren't my parents yeah. you know why didn't they quote unquote work harder in school or why didn't they do this differently yeah. <laughs> you know like <laughs> You know that, That's so sad. Like you've not seen this movie on Twitter that say, "Was the uncle gonna find any new akiba shamba?" You know, like it's funny, but you know, guys, some guys actually mean that because they're just wondering, yeah. like, why didn't wasn't I the one chosen? To, why is it has? Because mm. I had an episode. So even last year, time like this, where someone was talking, about their mother used to come to school. Yeah, genuinely run away. Because they're, mm. they're, they're afraid, like, they shame. They don't want to be seen the mother who's just come to school had to see you. Yeah. So, I wish we understood what love is. Let me be yeah. honest. Do you know what that is? That is, and, and that goes to community. Mm-hmm. Because I think, I think for me, the time when I knew Yanni, my parents really loved me is when I was studying abroad. Uh, they would, Yanni, they would sacrifice. Yanni, if, if I needed money, and they also needed that money to eat. They would give me the money. Mm. And for me, you know, and, and because I knew that there are there times I would just know familiar because I, you know, even you don't want people to go, um, with that, not, not that they that you go hungry, but, you know, sacrifice something that they wanted, you know, um, mm. because me also, I wanted something. But, but I think, I think uh, t- touching on your community question, um, Guys, it is a blessing to be surrounded by people who genuinely want the best for you and care for you. Um, and you see the complexity about the community that I had in the UK is, is so my flatmate, she she was she's Greek. Um, and I love her with all of my heart. Let me tell you, Yanni, I love her with all of my heart. Um, but there's a complexity to to certain relationships that Right now, maybe not so because I, I grew out of I, I grew out of it, but you know when it's it's easier. I, I found it difficult to con- connect with someone on certain levels when they were not African or black. That was just the the you know the face of the matter. So it's little things like I remember I had a racist experience, and you know my friends came over. Yeah, guy, okay, there were so many, but that's a story for another day. So. <laughs> <laughs> I had a racist experience um, and I was hosting now when I was, you know, doing a bit better, I was hosting some friends for, for dinner and, you know, I was, I was telling them about it and, and then they're like, 
why don't you go to the police? You know, um, maybe it wasn't actually a racist experience. Maybe you are just overthinking it. Ah, I said overthinking it. How would I, a black person, not know a racist experience? Mm. You know, and I remember um, now I, I had a lot of Greek friends, a lot of Greek friends. So now my other Greek friend stood up for me and was like, you guys, this is not a conversation for us to have. And, and guys there's so much complexity when it comes to relationships outside of kenya that we don't really uh-huh. <laughs> that we don't really see so when i talk about community so you can find community outside of your you know your kenyan or your african you can because i found that and i think right now i appreciate them so much because i know you know if i was to call them you know, at least a few of them these are people who'd be there for me um but guys i think community is a very healing experience i think right now being in a better space i think now when when i have when i found friends who i don't even know i do friends who have taught me love um i think i've learned love from my friendships mm-hmm. friends who, who a few weeks ago um i was in, this was a few days after I had stopped my antidepressant medication. Um, then I got some very depressing news and it put me straight in bed. Um, cried the whole afternoon. My friends came the very next day, literally, and were like, Dana, we are coming. Came with all, my favorite things, came, sat with me the whole day. I'd, I'd not experienced, I'd not experienced. There's a kind of love that comes from community, you guys, that is very healing. It is very healing. And so I think when we underestimate, and I think, you know, when you have something around all of the time, you take it for granted. And maybe I think that's what then a lot of us are doing. We are taking for granted the spaces that are there because I don't, I, 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 no one should ever have to be as depressed as I was to understand community was important. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't have to be that point at which people are literally pulling you from the gutter, you know, to actually go day by day with life for you to to understand community and and why i say community healed me is because even so even at the point at which i started my antidepressant medication which was last year because last year i think is is when um last year is probably when i i so i feel like there's two aspects of depression there's the emotional aspect and there's the mental aspect and they both work hand in hand but i think some you know I, I think this was my experience. Some feel more than the other at certain points. And last year, the mental part was was worse for me. Before that, it was the emotional part. So when I mean emotional, it's it's a lot of a lack of emotional regulation. So same as last year, but but just I don't know how to explain. But last year, I think my my mental space was there was no mental space. Ah, there was no mental space. There was there was my head was everywhere. I could not. Um, fully understand things that were happening from an objective standpoint, um, which then translate into translate into emotion. I I felt as though people hated me. I felt as though I was never good enough. I felt as though, you know, and and I think also last year I was really struggling a lot with finding myself, finding relationships in terms of friendships. You know, because a lot of things change when you when you stay abroad for a while. Your friendships change, your relationships change, you yourself change. So some of those things fall apart. Um, and I was really struggling with keeping it together. I felt out of place career-wise. I did not have any kind of, you know, purpose. And I realized, me, I can't function without a purpose. I, I just spiral out of control. Mm-hmm. Um, and so by the time it reached November, I was a profuse crier. Yani, I was a crier. Then I'd cry. Like, I felt like I had bipolar. I would be 
10 different people in a very short span of time. And I would be very triggered by things, very triggered by something small, something I was out of balance, I was out of place. And so at the point at which I started my antidepressant medication, it is it is it is community that that held me. You know, it is it's friends who you know um recognized my out of balanceness. It is, you know, my sister, my sister, my sister, my sister. Guys, my sister. I will I will shout her praises from the rooftop. You know, it 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 is community that has gotten me to this point in October where I've been able to stop my antidepressant medication. It is still community that is able to pick me up when I feel I have days where I feel like I'm falling off the wagon. You know, it's mm. and it's things like being able to call someone or being able to text someone very openly and very honestly and to say I'm not okay. You know, it's 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 my partner being able to recognize instantly the moment I'm triggered and being able to manage me. I don't know how better to put it. That sounds so bad, but yeah, to manage me because the reality about um, depression is sometimes you need to be managed. Sometimes your reality needs to be curated for you to get through it. Then you can see the picture and then mm. it objectively. because in the moment you can't see it objectively. So it's things like that. It's 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 being able to rely on people and know for sure you can rely on these people to come through with you. Because I remember at the day, the day at which I went to, for my first psychiatry appointment, I was so scared. I was so so scared because I knew. You know, the reality is you can't be depressed for six years and not know there's something wrong. You know, people get sad. You know, but six years is a while. So you know, I remember calling my partner and saying i'm really scared um and i need you to come i need you to take me um i need to take take me to the psychiatrist because you know i have a feeling about this uh, you know and sitting through that session and him understanding you know the history and what needs to be done and then taking me from there you know it's little things like someone asking you did you take your 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 pills today you know because mm-hmm. you can you know self-sabotage is also forgetting to take your pills because sometimes it, you know you're in a denial phase of i can't believe this is happening to me you know but now that i'm so much better is when i appreciate mm. community because it you know community opened me up to people who are going through the same thing you know people who are able to honestly and openly share my story with and they also share their story with me and then i, I don't feel so alone you know, I don't feel like I'm the only person who's going through this and so I'm so unworthy of love, I'm unworthy of being alive, you know. Um, and so I, I think everyone needs to take a step back and look at at whether they really have community because you can have people, you know. Mm-hmm. You can have people. You can have people around all the time, every time. But do you have community? And And, com- and can I define community as commune with me? Mm-hmm. No. Do you have people who can commune with you, and and not in a in, in and not the perception they hold of you, not the image you are curating for people, but really as you are? Because I will tell you, depression makes you look crazy. Sometimes it makes you look that that an inability to emotionally regulate yourself will have you looking like an idiot. I cannot tell mm-hmm. you how many times, like you know, someone text me a certain way, and I'm like. This person hates me. 
this person doesn't love me. And then I'm there crying and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's the worst thing in the world. I don't have any. Do you know I've cried on the pulpit because I was like, I don't have any friends. I was crying on the freaking pulpit. Really? You know, in the, yeah, in the middle of in the middle of singing, in the middle of chorus studying. I was there and I just told the because this was the time to see for online worship. And I just told the cameraman, please don't point the camera at me. Please don't point the camera at me. I left. I went to the parking lot and I just I and I I cried. Billy, I cried. Yanni, I cried in that parking lot and my dad was just like, just go home. Go home. Mm. Because you can't emotionally regulate yourself. You can't, you can't, you can't, like there's some things you just can't shake you know. And and so community is important to be able to tell you something like that. Go home. You know, you don't need to fake it for anyone here at your okay and you're not. Go home. Yeah. You know? But if you just have people around you, it's going to be very awkward because they're just going to be like, Oh, I hope you'll be okay. Okay, but okay. So you started the next song. Oh, I hope you'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is a few people around you. Yeah. You know, and so and and so I really hope we can all tap into community. People who will commune with you. You know, mm. the good, the bad, the worst, the, the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know that that's yeah. community. So tell me about what you got love was and how these friends change your perspective and that's why you feel like Ukweli. For you, one of the f- people in this world who can't say you haven't been loved, you know, you know, we've seen yeah. these videos of guys saying, like, I've never had friends who love me, like, I've always mm. been, loved. but for you, the way you ex- describe your community, like, you've just described in a way that you can't say that I've not been loved. Yeah. So, describe to me first that, and then, two, again, a bit about your partner in terms of earlier on, you're talking about your uh, partner in high school. Like one thing I picked up, like he was a really good gaslighter. Not good, but like yeah. he gaslit you proper. And one thing <laughs> about the men name came will out. gaslight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, like one thing about men will gaslight. Yeah. But now you talked about a partner who's created such a safe space for you and who yeah. genuinely cares about you. See a lot of black women talking about how men hate women. You know, yeah. there's always that conversation that men really don't like women. We just like them mm-hmm. for the sexual part but aside from that we yeah. don't care about women so talk to me about you know like these contrasting realities of yours where you had a partner who genuinely did the, the one some of the worst things to you and now a partner who's shown you mm. what love is and then again with that also have you ever tried to sabotage that relationship in terms of when you had this first partner probably you thought or sometimes you thought that that's the love you deserve and so having yeah. a partner who's very, or, yeah. you know, or sometimes have you gotten the ick from that? You know how girls are, you guys mm. can never understand. Me, so, <laughs> yeah, talking about those two things. Yani, muta nakupenda, unakuta kusema, it's an ick. Yani. It's too much. It's too much. What I thought love is, versus what love is now, has been taught by my friends. Um, I thought, guy, did I even know what love is? I don't even think I had a thought of love. I think I thought love was the was the way people feel about you. You know, I thought love was was feelings. Um which is which is an aspect of love in the sense that it's how love shows itself. It's one of the mediums through which love shows itself, but that is not love. Um, so if I say, Billy, I feel for, you know, I feel, I, I, you know, I feel love towards you, you know, and then it just ends there. That's not love. That's just a feeling that can come today and go tomorrow, you know? 
Um, and so I think a lot of us think think we are loved or think we love because we feel towards this person. But feelings change, you know. Some days the feeling is there, sometimes it's not there. So do we say we don't? I think then I believe love is a feeling, something you feel towards something. But what I think friendship has taught me is love is the giving of yourself. Love is a verb. It's a it's an action. It's something you do. You know, regardless of feeling. So mm-hmm. if you say you love someone your actions must, must actually show it, you know? And, and I think that's what I've seen in my friendships. I think I've seen, I've seen friends, you know, this year show up for me. Friends I didn't have last year, you know, let me even just point that out. Friends, friends I didn't have at the beginning of last year, you know, um, uh-huh. or friends who, who I, I, I had, a I had, a the sort of friends I had, has changed over the years you know and i think now Uh in the the space i'm in in my friendships i'm experiencing so much love you know unconditional love yani and and it's changed my perspective because sometimes you just don't feel like doing things but because of the love you have for someone you will do it you will show up you know you will give up some things you will sacrifice you'll compromise some things that for me is what love is now and and i i recommend to everyone and anyone i think when i started changing what i think about love um was november 2019 november 2019 or 2020 no november 2020 and i recommend to everyone to read the book all about love by bell hooks i will say it again all about love by bell hooks and and i'll send um give billy the link which if you want to read online there's a pdf you can read that book summarizes and talks about love it defines love as love is as love does and that basically means love is a doing thing you know so love is what it does you cannot love have without the doing of love you know there is nothing about it you know and love encompasses things like care and kindness and respect and all those things without those things there's also no love you know, um, and I think that's how that's changed. And going on to your second question in terms of my partner from high school and my partner now, <sighs> I think, I think if, if I'm, if I'm honest, I think hmm, it's very important for someone to create a safe space for you. Um, but I think the, the worst thing for me about depression now, looking back, I, I think it, it, it honestly almost killed my relationship because your reality is very different you know your Uh reality is is this person doesn't care about me this person doesn't love me um you know and and that ties on from the experiences that i had in high school you know so if you know because something an experience i had in high school is if my you know if my then i'm never gonna call him partner boyfriend because i was not a partnership <laughs> boyfriend, let me not call that person. So I'll call one a boyfriend and one a partner, and you'll know who's who. So hey. my then boyfriend, um, if he was upset at me, he would um passive aggressively stop talking. He'd be passive aggressive one, um, and two, he would give me the silent treatment. You know, so like I remember we were in a group, we were in a group of friends, and then I don't know what I wanted to ask him, and he turned his back literally turned his back so 
I was like, excuse me, sir. Like, I have a question. Completely ign- ignored me. And you know the thing about being in a group like that? Do you know how embarrassing that is? Yeah. But not really your friends. It is so humiliating. And so I just sat down with my plate of food and just gobbled it up until one of my friends then, a friend I still have now. And, and guys, communities, everything. And it came and <laughs> <laughs> she came and she answered my question for me. You know, literally, you know, so... You know, I and and one thing that I unfortunately picked up from that relationship was passive aggressiveness. So I started being very passive aggressive as well because you have been passive aggressive to me, then me I'll be passive aggressive to you. You know, and the unfortunate thing about that is you create a habit. So mm. that played out in my in my partnership because if there's something that happened I didn't like, I would be passive aggressive. You know, maybe in the way I said things or in the way I acted, I would never as you give the silent treatment or stone wall, but you know, you know when someone's being passive aggressive and 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 in that way it's self-sabotaging because at the back of my head I know this is so wrong. Why am I doing this? You know, why am I doing this? But you see also the the reality I've created for myself is why would anyone love me? Why would anyone to care about me? See if, if you know if my boyfriend at that point was like this, you know, there is no man here would you know, um and it'll be little things like, you know, I could be I remember something that I really Guys, depression really changes your reality. I, and please, if you have a depressed friend, partner, um, family member, please understand it changes your reality. What they see is not what is, you know. And 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 sometimes they're, they're not, it's not your fault. There's nothing wrong that you're doing. Their reality is just very different. And so I remember it'd be things like, because, um, yes, something in my in my that when my boyfriend was he wanted us to text all the time every time all the time so even when we're in school if he's in psychology and i'm in music we're texting you know when we're together we're talking when you go home we're texting on the way back we're texting you know the moment he wakes up we're texting the moment we're going to we're texting texting all the time text, 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 text. <laughs> so you know i i i inherently had this thing of you know if someone is committed to you you are talking all the time but what happens when you have depression now how that how that plays out is now if this person is not conversing with me all the time if they are away for a few hours so i'll I'll give a very vulnerable and very honest example my partner could literally have gone shopping in kafu you know maybe you know Uh we were texting during the morning and then he goes for shopping so he's unavailable for a few it could be minutes i'm there where are you what are you doing why are you not picking up the phone what's happening Okay, you don't love me anymore. You don't want to talk to me. Literally switches like that. And it's that ser- like you ask not seriously, you know, the joking, joking no, one. No, I'm asking very seriously, and I start crying. And mm. then I start saying, "Is there something wrong with our relationship? You know, why didn't you text me back? You know, why why aren't we talking like we used to?" And mind you, guys, he just went to the shop. <laughs> Because he just literally went to the shop. You know, and so I'm just telling it could be literally simple things like that. Or, you know, maybe he's like, hey, you know, um, I'll be unavailable for a few. Um, this is what I'm doing, but I'll text you when I'm back. And then he starts feeling like he's been unavailable for too long. Something is eh. going on. Something is wrong. So there I am calling people who he's with. Hi, um, are you with and guys, I know I sound very crazy, but <laughs> go, it goes back to what I said. Depression will change your reality because right now I don't do those things. 
Mm. You know, right now, right now, and that's why I laugh at myself last year because I'm wondering, Acha wherever he ningedu. Uh, you know, but now when it goes back to creating a safe space, and and this is what I'm talking about, like some of the traumas you can carry from past relationships, and also how depression changes your reality. I think I've had a partner who is very grace, who's given me a lot of grace, who's who's been able to look beyond, you know, my my sickness and 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 see the person that is inside there that is buried because the thing about um you know having a mental illness is the you that is you is, is buried on top of the illness under the illness so the illness is what takes shape but the you that's inside there is, is trying to get out like you feel like you're trying to crawl out of a hole but this thing just keeps pushing you down and down and down and then sometimes you just give up you say you know and that's when you it, it really takes a life of its own and i think I'm very grateful to have a partner who's created a space for me to to heal, you know, who has encouraged me. Because one thing about my my boyfriend was he did not want me to have a relationship with my friends and he did not want me to have a relationship with my parents. Um, it really isolated me from those relationships. And that's what narcissists do. Guy, I hope he doesn't hear this. But even if he does, I think he's healed. So, you know, it was that time. Um, <laughs> oops. Yeah, but... Um, I was really isolated, but my partner now encourages me to to build community. A, a big reason why I, I'm now very big on communities because, you know, he's like, you know what? Um, beyond me, there's friendship and there's family. And each mm-hmm. of these play an important part in your life. You know, yeah. one is not a substitute for another. And that's one thing I've learned very deeply. My relationship with my partner is not a substitute for my relationship with my friends. Neither is it a relationship for my a substitute for a relationship with my family. Each one of them are equal and important components in my life. And the reality is when one suffers, the other the others also there's a void. You know, so if my relationship with my parents are suffering, I'm not at peace. If my relationship with my partner is suffering, I'm not at peace. But all these components need to work together for me to feel a sense of holistic community. Yeah. You know? Um, and I think that's those those are major differences between you know when I was with my boyfriend and when I'm with my partner. I I feel, I feel now, that I'm that that, I have a support system. You know, so. It's I I think. And and I think that's one of the things then that even this relationship has taught me about love. It's not selfish. It doesn't want to keep you all for itself. Uh-huh. You know. Um, if you have a partner who just wants you for himself, Yani, don't see your friends, don't see your family, don't even see your dog. In fact, get that dog and take it to KSBT. It's just me <laughs> in your life. <laughs> Yeah. if that is uh, the partnership you have i am sorry to tell you that is not love because love is a verb it's a doing thing and a healthy doing thing love does not take you away from things but it adds to things so a, a, a result so an example is when i was with my boyfriend relationships were taken from me and i used taken from me because even at that point i don't think at like 17 16 i was cognitively or emotionally at a space where i was able to really understand what was being done to me but now i realize that love is something that adds so a result of even just my relationship now with my partner is i have so many like my friendships have multiplied I, I don't know how to explain to people how how mad that was there were friendships that 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 have just come into my life as a result of this relationship friendships uh, that are now extremely close just because of that 
you know love love really gives it 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 gives it adds it multiplies um and so i i think i i think the self sabotage i think is something that i felt a lot last year because i think especially towards the end of the year when now you know when you come face to face with your depression and makes you realize you're ruining your own relationships the relationships that matter to you um because you know whether it's in the way you're acting out because you know i was not able to emotionally regulate myself or if i tried i was hurting myself now you know because i'm like i'm not going to say anything i'm going to keep it inside i'm going to keep it inside but then then me i would suffer you know so we we had a lot of tips because i was just the realities were two very different realities and so you know it reaches a point where you're just like eh okay you know what maybe me i should remove myself from this relationship i'm the bad uh-huh. person you know uh-huh. maybe 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 this is not working out you know and 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 then you know you you start saying things or doing things to because i used to ask almost every night can imagine how annoying it was are we okay do you still want to be with me do you love me do you want to be with me can you, nah, 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 nah. almost every a week would not pass without me saying that you know and then what it does for your partner is they make they feel they wonder kwani what kwani what am i doing that makes you not feel loved and yet they are really supporting you and they are really there for you and so it creates a lot of disunity um and that's a way of self sabotage because you don't feel worthy enough so then you want to put it on your partner to you're the one who's not doing enough for me you know then your partner is like what but that's not the reality yeah you know um yeah i think that's what i'd say eh omega when a lot of growth i'm 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 actually so happy that you finally said the podcast it would have been yeah. fast when it's the one that drop it's dropping on the 8th the 8th of november so that is next tuesday next tuesday yeah why the 8th actually now that i think about that's a very interesting question um Eight is the begin is the symbolically it's the it symbolizes new beginnings. Really? Yeah. So seven is the number of perfection. Eight is the number of of a new start of new beginnings. Um. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So even as you end up, tell us a bit about it. Why is it a new beginning for you? What What are you excited about it? What are you afraid? And like, why for you again? Why is it really a new beginning? What has made you venture into this and yeah so i've always believed in in talking as a medium for healing i think i think our cultures our african cultures were very big on talking um and on having honest conversations and on on vulnerability and i think why it's a new beginning for me is because i'm finally ready to be honest you know i'm finally ready to be vulnerable and i'm very tired of keeping up appearances i'm very tired of looking like i have it all together i'm very tired of looking like i'm not struggling or the people around me are not struggling you know um and i'm busy here trying to keep up an image of who i am and what i do and where i've come from and where i'm going when the reality is as is the name of my podcast i'm just winging it you know so why i'm very excited for this is because i'm i'm and why it's a new beginning is because I am in that space where it really doesn't matter you know what 
whether people accept my story or not, whether people have judgment to give to it, whether people think we shouldn't be having these conversations, whether people think these conversations are too awkward to have. I'm no longer keeping up those appearances of, of you know, trying to keep people comforted and trying to keep people, you know, keep up the perception of certain things. Um, I'm ready to to embrace that this has been my journey. This it's It's not been easy. Um, but there's a whole bunch of us who, you know, are, are really struggling. You know, you could have it, you could have the money, you could have the car, the house, the this and this and this, but you're so dissatisfied in your life, you know, and life never, and, you know, our society never gives you the opportunity to question, you know, maybe I have all of this, but why do I feel so empty? Um, and so, I, you know, that's what I want. I just want it to be a space of honest, vulnerable conversation, a space where we come and find rest. So my intention for this podcast is to find rest and community. You will hear the word community a lot because I believe, I believe in it deeply. It's what saves me every single day. Um, so I'm very excited because I, 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 I stepped into it because I felt called. I had a podcast before, but ended in shambles. So <laughs> if we I speak. <laughs> I remember Billy always telling me, you know, you need to start a podcast. And I was like, hey, I don't think I have the capacity. I don't think I, because I was just like, I, I can't do it again. But I think this time, I think I'm, I'm ready. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm ready. You don't know how happy I am to hear that, genuinely. <laughs> Are you going to no, do you... monologues, interviews? Everything. You know, I think, honestly, I don't think, I think right now I'm not, one thing about this is I'm not giving myself pressure to define it as a, yeah. as a, it's going to be a monologue or a guest. So I do have guests. I do have some monologues. You're obviously going to be a guest, obviously. Um, this is a content, but sour. <laughs> una content and you're like episode 1,067,000 million. <laughs> With what guests. What is that? <laughs> I've seen your monologues there, there, you know, but. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I'm not. I'm not giving myself pressure to make it something right now. Yeah, you know, and that goes back to what I said at the very beginning of this podcast. I am surrendering to the flow of life. What is for me, Akit will find me. Eh. I'll just, I'll just do my part. And if my part is, I feel called to partake in this ministry. I will partake in this ministry. Even me, I want to get to that point because. You yeah. see, they told me about your nini, then I was just thinking, wow, one it will be so big. Then you'll be like doing live shows, then everyone is there. Like, <laughs> you introduce yourself, then like, and I'm your host, Dan Osiemo. And this is, then everyone is just shouting, <laughs> just winging it. Wow. And I'm just like, you know. But yeah. with you, how have you, lastly, like, how have you gotten to the point of just being tired of appearance? Like, like a lot of us are tired of the appearances, yeah. but we don't actually accept it but I just keep up you know for the rest of the life still we just die so how have you gone to the point of actually coming to accept yourself so much so that you don't now care about what will Billy say what will people in church say what will old school schoolmates say what will old friends say what will current friends say like how have you gone to the point where you're so content with yourself not even not even necessarily content but just happy with what the progress you've made in your life and that knowing that your past, your past mistakes, past experiences don't redefine the current Dana, you know? Yeah, you know, I'm going to say all that that you're talking about 
started settled in my spirit as of the 28th of this month of October. <laughs> so, <laughs> so before anyone starts thinking this is something I've been feeling for a while, on the 26th, I was crying my eyes out in the afternoon. I spent the afternoon in bed. I was crying my eyes out because I was like, God, what are you doing in my life? And I think, um, I like, you know, so it's not to say that I've reached, you know, this self-actualization, but I think what's made me tired, can I be very honest? Mm. Being a church worker, working in the church has made me, working in the church vis-a-vis understanding Jesus' ministry. Mm-hmm. Seeing the contrast has made me say, you know what? I mean, I can't keep it up. Until we come here and we can he, we are smiling. Sm- Do you know how many times I've been in church? I have cried my eyes out in the car, then gone outside to smile and say, guys, okay, let's chorister. Mm-hmm. Okay, guys, let's set up the church. Okay, guys... It has happened too many times for me to pretend. If you see my eyes red and you ask me, are you okay? I will tell you, no, I was crying. And I think I've just reached that point where there's too much of a disconnect. I do not want to be disconnected from spirit. I do not want to be... And uh, let me mention, because there are very many spirits. From Jesus' spirit. Me, my Jesus follower. <laughs> from Jesus' spirit. <laughs> eh, yeah, there are many spirits. But I do not want to be disconnected. I do not... And I realized, and something also is, I remember there's a time a lady in church came and told me how her daughter looks up to me because, you know, I'm doing very well in church and, you know, I I'm have, it, I have it together, you know. Yes. She told me that and I held my tears and went to the corner and cried because I said, why am I cheating people? Why am I cheating people? Because, you know, it's these things can co- coexist. You can look at my life and say, you know, Dana is doing this, Dana is doing that. And these are the acts I'm doing. But you see, it's another thing to keep to keep holding up those appearances that other people have given you mm-hmm. without speaking the truth. And I think if I'm, if I'm honest, I think being a church worker, I think I've reached the point now where I'm like, Z, no. I can't do this thing where we we're supposed to come to this space that's supposed to be a space of healing, a space of honesty, a space of vulnerability, a space where I'm really supposed to find my Jesus. But if I if I'm if I try to have honest conversations in the church, I can't have them. Mm-hmm. I just and I think it's progressively getting I think because of my experience in church in the UK, that was very open and very honest, as much as they didn't think it was. But I experienced a different church. Me, I experienced a different... I didn't know that's what church could be like. Um, And I think now tying in with just experiences I've had, um, the two years I've been home, of, you know, trying to keep it up, trying to keep up, you know, to be like, oh, I'm so happy with my life. Oh, you know, I'm doing great. Or if someone asks me how I'm doing and like I'm okay, you know, I'm doing good. You know, I think there's a point at which you you get tired. Yeah. There's a, yeah. There's a there's a point at which you can't keep it up anymore. There's a point at which you let the house burn down, mm-hmm. literally. You know, you let the house burn down, then you pick it up from the ground again. And I think that's where I'm at. I think, I think I have been fighting i have been fighting god for so long hey me who is that guy was it jacob who was fighting that angel then he realized it's jesus that has been my struggle i've been fighting god that you know i must look a certain way you know i must keep up my family name i must you know i must i must i must but for who at what cost just so that some little girls can think that that's the person i need to be z i would tell those girls 
no, it's not me you should be looking at. You know, I could be doing these things, but these are things I'm doing. It's not, it doesn't translate into who I am. What I do and who I am can sometimes be two different things. But I want mm-hmm. to bridge, I want to connect them where I want to, I want to have it that, that everything in my life is in tandem, is in flow, you know, whereby the perceptions are not different, you know, whereby if someone in church or someone in the office talks about Dana, it's the same honest, vulnerable, raw truth. Yeah. Very authentic. Yeah. And I think, I think I've just gotten that point where I don't say, I don't go to the extent saying that at at okay, I don't care. Yeah. But so am I a bit afraid sometimes that, you know, me speaking, saying, finally coming out about my story, you know, with mental health and, you know, feeling scared that maybe people will judge me, maybe people will think I'm different. It's it's normal to feel those things. It's normal to be afraid. It's normal to feel you should dim your light. But, guys, I can't do it anymore. I'm sorry. I can't. Uh, I just can't. And I always tell you and tell my guests that oh, at the end of the day, it's your truth. Yeah. At the end of the day, regardless of who thinks what, who wants to say what, your friends who didn't even realize that was happening to you at that time and are going to hear yeah. it in the podcast for the first time. At the end of the day, it was your, it's your truth. And I always tell guys, like, that's why for me, I appreciate the honest and honest conversations mm-hmm. where you don't feel like, oh, someone will think this about me. Because at the end of the day, this is what makes you you. You know, yeah. like you can't remove that element of you, but mm-hmm. obviously you can make it a part of you where it starts being self-destructive. But it's a part of you that's made you and given you the perspective you have today, you know. Yeah. And also just, I love how you said, like, just being that one Dana, where corporate world Dana, church Dana, home Dana, yeah. the same people. Like, one day may we get to that point, inshallah. Mm-hmm. Let's listen to just swinging it. Maybe the rest <laughs> of us will follow suit. <laughs> no, I, and I, I have so many questions for you, and I'll keep you here for yeah. longer. So, Tani Petro did here part three. At this rate... <laughs> no problem no problem that's hey, not a problem i do enjoy no it's true but <laughs> i do and i do and i've really enjoyed you know just being on your podcast and thank you for giving me this opportunity to speak you know um, it's been a long think, time coming i don't know why you didn't even come sooner do you know what this is the perfect time because i would not have been this honest eh no, I don't think so. I think I'd have still, at the point, if it was earlier, I'd have still wanted to keep up appearances. Uh, I'd still, you know, I would have been like, oh, yeah, you know, I've been sad in my life, but, you know, I've gotten through it. I don't think I'd have been this vulnerable. So it's beautiful how everything happens at the time it's to happen, you know, yeah. flow with it. Um, so I think this is the perfect time to have this conversation. <laughs> I don't know if I should end this episode by saying, so there you have it, folks. Here we are just winging it. Have a lovely weekend. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Bye, everyone. So don't forget to tweet us at Busherian Pod. Follow us at the Good About the Busherian. Follow at Just Wing It. Have a lovely week ahead, folks. And cheers. <laughs>